0: This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good. (laughs) Without further ado. That's what the
1: game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss.
0: (laughs) I'm going to leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Absolutely.
2: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast NBA Finals Edition, possibly the last pregame or episode of the season for us, which is wild, but that comes on the heels of the, the Milwaukee Bucks finally, finally hitting some shots in game five to take a 3 2 lead, 123, 119. They are now one win away from an NBA title. Joining me as always are Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. We'll talk about game six. We'll talk about futures for the series that are left remaining. We'll talk about MVP. We'll do all of that. And more of our analysis can be found in the Action Network app, which you can download on your mobile device right now. It's the best way for you to track your bets, get up to the second lines, information on where the money is at, all the information that you need, including things like the Sharps came in on Milwaukee, which that made me nervous right uh, as I was deciding to bet on the Suns. all of that information in the Action Network app, make sure to download that. A reminder that all of today's odds are provided by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Uh, and if you like this show, be on the lookout because we're going to be launching our NBA feed in the coming weeks where we'll be doing multi-week episodes throughout the off season, covering free agency. We'll do an episode on the draft, getting stuff for draft props, looking at futures. We'll have guests, all sorts of great stuff. It's going to be a great show be on the lookout for the Action Network NBA podcast feed. All right, Jets. Um, what you in, in the slacks last night? We had some victory lapping on bets we didn't even make, which, which, which oh, I man. did not enjoy. Um, I will start. I want to start with Raheem. All right, Raheem, I'm going to give you my view on this game because we me. we were kind of on opposite sides. Did you bet the Bucks last night? I. Here's the thing. I took the
3: Suns first quarter and then came back and took the Bucks plus 10 and a half. So yeah, I didn't I take that. it pre yeah, yep. game. I just, I felt like I was just, you know, I wanted to play the safe angle. So, and I felt like that was the best way to do it.
2: No, you were. I mean, you were it profited. So you came out right. Everybody in our, our group except me took Suns or Bucks plus 10 and a half. Um, I was not willing to, like, my concern was that I would wind up with like a Suns. Like, I I was just, I didn't want to do it. I felt, I felt good about the Suns. Here's my theory on last night. I don't think I was wrong. I still don't. I mean, look, I'll admit it when I just completely get one wrong. I've just been wrong before. I've just been like, wow, they just don't match up at all. Um, The, we always talk about shooting quality. And look, like a lot of this is, like, it is variant. Like, you will have variants in a one game sample quite a bit. Like, you can have, like, plus Mm -hmm. 20s and plus 30s and things like that. Uh, especially for individual players, uh, last night was the highest differential the Bucks have had in a playoff game this season. They were a plus 16 between their actual EFG and their expected EFG at plus 16. That is twice what their second highest was coming into the night at plus eight. That's how well the Milwaukee Bucks shot last night. And you can say, but the Suns shot the lights out in the first quarter. I expected them to shoot the lights out in the first quarter. They're at home yeah. in a 2-2 series coming back. Um, there's a lot to kind of get into. I don't feel like the Suns were the wrong side. I feel like the the shot variance finally went the Bucks' way, which I had basically bet like, okay, like every time that I bet on the Bucks and lost, I was like, I guess we just can't trust them to ever have it go their way. And the one time that I go heavy against them, the shot variance comes through on their end. You like the Bucks in the series. You like Bucks in six the last time that we did a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You liked the value on Milwaukee. Like, you felt like this series had just turned. This will be, I think, like one of – how many of these 0-2, the other team winds up winning series have you bet on? Because it feels like you liked the Thunder in 2012 versus the Spurs. No, I, was, I wasn't even betting back then. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but you've liked a, a number of the Bucks. You liked the Raptors in 2019, like yeah. on a number of these series where it's been 0-2, and yeah. you've gone the other way. Um, yeah, I I think there's always there's always a
3: common theme in, in all of them. There's always a game in which they should have won. So if you look at the Raptors, it was probably game one. If you look at the Bucks, it was probably game two. So there's always a, a game in which they should have won, and then there's a turning point in which. Something clicks to where they figure something out, or they have such a, a huge advantage to where the other team can't overcome it. And for me, it was the rebounding. And also, I noticed that in the like, I had preconceived notions coming into the series that the Suns would be able to dominate in the clutch, and they didn't do that in game three and game four. When I saw that, I'm just like, you know what, the, the Bucks got this, they're going to get more possessions. At some point the shots are gonna fall because they're you know they're getting good shots. And then also they started to limit the Suns' three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. And you start to see Devin Booker playing more ISO ball. And I think Brandon hinted on it at some point. If Devin Booker's gonna go out there and just score 40 points, and that's how he's gonna beat us, I think the 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 Bucks have got to be celebrating. So I felt like as long as this if they got a good game out of Middleton and Giannis or Drew and Giannis. They were gonna win this win this series, and they just happened to get a good game out of all three of them on the road. So I just I I really felt good about it.
2: Well, let's let's I want to pause there. Um, Second chance points last night. Suns fourteen, Bucks twelve. So you don't get offensive rebounds if you're making everything. That's an advantage. That's that's fair. But like, this is the big thing: is that like, I'm not saying that I, I don't even I don't think you're you're. I don't think your cap on the series is wrong at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. What I do feel like is that last night was the very rare exception to what always happens, which is like the Bucks never get things to go their way. Like they didn't go their way in 2019 when Fred VanVleet shot a bazillion percent and all of the Bucks missed threes. They didn't go their way in 2020 when Jay Crowder became an inferno, um, much like he isn't for much of this series, though he's cooled down after some games. And again, everybody missed everything. And then in this game, Drew Holiday, who is quite honestly not had a great play, like he had a great series versus the Heat and then was basically bad up until right up until game five when they needed him absolutely most. That's why I guess you trade five f- picks for him. Uh, he has his best game of the playoffs. Um, Brandon, I, I, like, I'm asking you, was I wrong to bet on the Suns last night?
1: I mean, the problem with last night's game is it was so coin flippy that all the bets were right and all the bets were wrong all at the same time. Like The the only bad play was if anyone was too overconfident in what their play was because the danger right now is being too overconfident the other direction because that's what we do as sports fans is to, to lock in on the thing we know is happening. What we know is we've played five games and each team had one confident comfortable win and then there were three coin flippy games this series has been awesome because it's been so in the middle we don't know what's happening and that's frustrating as a batter but it's great as a fan it's been a lot of fun to watch
2: you mentioned not being too confident in your cap the boneheaded thing that i did yesterday all right so as i mentioned on the show. I've been betting Suns and bucks futures off and on amongst a bunch of different things. Like I'm going to come out ahead, but I'm not just, I didn't just bet Suns and bucks. Like I bet I had nets futures and Lakers futures. And like, I basically played the market and took advantage whenever I saw that there was ev. So I'm in a really good spot here based off of the fact that those odds were longer, my margins on some of the other teams were much more narrow. Um, I'm in a good spot here and I've been building kind of taking the, going back the other way consistently. Um, I noticed that at one book that I operate at, I was heavier on sons than bucks. And so Rahim, I was like, okay, all right. So I need to get a position on the bucks to kind of even this out just at this specific book. Like I'm okay. Like my overall position is good. I can find a, a middle ground here where I'm still pretty even on outcome, but I can even up. So I'm not going to just take a loss at this book uh, if it's bucks based off of everything that Raheem said. And I looked at the plus 125 and I had it on the screen and I had the amount filled in and I went, wait, wait, wait. The odds are going to be so much better for Milwaukee after they lose game five. I'll wait after they lose game five, then I'll come back in on the Bucks and I'll get a much better price because it'll be like plus 200 or better. And so I didn't. And now instead, oh, I'm looking at a man. Bucks minus 200 money line just for like game whatever games, game six, it's, it's minus 200. For game, so I can't even do. I can't even get EV on betting the lot the, because if I bet the spread at minus one ten, which is fine, and they win but don't cover, I lose both ways. I just should have bet the one twenty five. I got greedy. I was like, no, no, yeah. I'm so, I was so confident the Suns were going to win this game. That even with it was a lesson of like no 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 okay you've got EV right now you think you think plus one twenty five is probably EV because you think it's closer you think it's really a coin yeah. flip but you know what I, it, it almost felt like the plus one twenty five it would all it
3: was almost it was almost telling us that the game would be close yeah like because I was looking at it I'm like I like the Bucks but I, I at plus one twenty five it's just not a it's not heavy enough so I, yeah. I get it I I totally get it yeah I mean.
1: On our podcast last time at the end, we each, we each made a game five pick and we each made a series pick. I went back and listened last night, and this is going to sound like a victory lap. It's not. It's the opposite because I didn't actually do the right thing that I said to do, which is my pick was Milwaukee money line. You both picked Phoenix. I said Milwaukee line. However, I said I don't think the odds are good enough. I felt like it was a coin flip. I felt like Phoenix had the home edge. The plus 125 or whatever the number was, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't a good enough line to bet. And I made a comment of something like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to play it like late first quarter, second quarter, the Suns are going to make that run. And we debated about like, well, you know, how much are the Suns up? How much did that line really move? And I literally said something like, well, you know, if it gets to like 12 or something, I'm out. So that's what I did. I waited. And then it suddenly got to that timeout. I think it was 32 to 16. And despite everything that I just said, I was like, oh, my gosh, the Suns going to win by 50. This thing is over. They're hitting every shot. You're like, I didn't play it. I didn't, I didn't take the risk. I don't know what the line was then, but I guarantee it wasn't plus 125 anymore. And that, you know, that's, that's the exact thing that I was saying to do. Then you get in the moment and in the moment, you're just like, oh my gosh, Phoenix is forcing every turnover and they're all over the court and they're hitting every shot. They're, they're just going to blow them away. You already, what's happening in game six? And you no uh, didn't think that
2: our, our biggest critic of this podcast Matt Mitchell, producer, who's listening <laughs> to this right now and just cackling, just just laughing his happy ass off as a as a Bucks fan. Uh, he bet the Bucks, mm-hmm. but b- b- guaranteed to win in our slack, Charles Barkley wow. style. Bet him before, bet him live. I think bet him again. Like three, he had a three three bet. Yep, yep. Wow. just that's that's so really. One. We should. Yeah. I should just call it quits and Mitchell should just do this podcast for the rest of the uh, rest that's of the rest the one-man
3: show yeah that's, so he, that's he three grabbed three did he grabbed the money line in game yeah I think so
1: that, that's that's right. what what that's called is, is three betting on the turn when you need an inside straight draw on the river and then hitting it that's what that's called so congrats on hitting the inside straight we're very happy for you Matt we hope that you, that bucks come through for you again
2: mm. oh boy uh <laughs> so let's look at this going forward all right. Uh, I'm done with sides. Just going to put that out there. Uh, I'm <laughs> I done was a
3: coward sides. for that. Or when I was doing that, like in February, March, you kept calling me a coward.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I got game two wrong. Um, I went back the other way to hedge on game three, even though I had it right. Initially. Uh, I got game four right but still lost in terms of I bet the Suns plus four and a half and they got covered in the last minute of the game uh, on a comeback and then oh I, lo- I was I was way off on game five so at this point I just have to be like it's not even so much that I don't understand like I don't feel like I don't understand the matchups because I do like I've got like we've talked some of the stuff that we talked we, about pre-series was completely on point in terms of like the rebounding advantages and where the advantages would be and how like, one of the things that I wrote about and we talked about this pod was I said the Bucs are very likely to say we're going to lock in on Chris Paul and Devin Booker can do whatever. Like, that yeah. was – I. we talked about this. That was like, that's probably the best way to go about it because even though Booker's a good passer, he's not Chris Paul. Yeah. And so – and you've honestly seen this. This is – the discussion yesterday was was uh, was pretty infuriating for me because Suns fans are so defensive of of Booker that they can't accept that it's like – I'm not saying he didn't play well because he played well in the sense that he made a bunch of shots and they were still going to lose because of the defense, but like they needed to be able to generate sun's ball. This whole, like they took 19 threes yesterday. What are you doing? It's 2021. You can't get beat by the bucks in three point shooting and win. That's that is not the way.
1: Especially when you're shooting
3: 68% when you shoot them.
2: Yeah. The
3: one reason why I have to push back on that is because, you know, somebody made a comment on on Twitter. Devin Booker was a plus 12 yesterday. So it really was the second quarter in which they lost the – when they lost this game, they (laughs) gave up 43 points. They only scored
2: 24. At some point, you know, Chris Paul was out there. He's got to stop the bleed. I mean, you could say that, but wait, by the way, Chris Paul's out there. He's got to stop the bleeding. Booker played 40, like 43 minutes. Like, that's true. Yeah. So here's the other thing is that I went through and I actually looked at it quarter by quarter. His quarter by quarter splits don't look as good because he was like a plus 16 in the first quarter. Uh, he was, I'm looking this up right now, Devin Booker. He was a plus 16 in the first. Okay. He struggled in the second and they got like, that's where they re- The whole team struggled, right? Yeah. Booker only takes four shots in that quarter. Chris Paul goes three to seven. Um, they're like Booker's a minus five in six minutes. Paul's a minus 15. So in the extra minute between when Booker and Paul play, they were minus 10. So that was a really bad stretch because the Bucks started hitting absolutely everything. Um, mm-hmm. Then third quarter. This is really important, though. Most of the stuff like Booker scored. 14 points on six of 11 shooting in the, in the third quarter, he was still a minus seven Played the whole quarter still a minus seven. So the idea, when we look at the, t- at the entire game plus minus, it tells you that, well, they won the Booker minutes. And what it really comes down to is like, they won the first quarter. He didn't play as much when things got absolutely out of control in the second, which mm-hmm. was mostly minutes with Giannis not on the court. Like, cam johnson wasn't doing anything wrong and he wound up with like a minus 19 in this game like he didn't it's not like you went back and we're like oh man cam johnson got killed it was just like he just he was just a bystander that caught the shrapnel um yeah. of, of, of how disastrous this but, was but is it
1: is it fair to say just to play devil's advocate was the disaster in that stretch you know obviously plus minus, he can't bring it all down to that because that would also imply that the Bucs should not play Giannis so much because they won the game when he was off the court. Like, Obviously, that's not the argument, mm-hmm. but is there an argument that Phoenix's offense just isn't functioning right, can't score enough in those Booker mm-hmm. minutes when he's out, and when they're not scoring, then Milwaukee's getting those runouts and getting their easy looks. Is that a thing?
2: I don't think so. Here, mm-hmm. Here's why. Um, so if we, if we go back and we look at, at the second quarter, Right, they shot mm-hmm. of their 19. Um, they only shot six, which was you know higher than the rest of it, but they shot two of six from three. That's just really honestly shooting variance. The bigger problem mm-hmm. was the defense, like the defense in that second quarter was, was largely the issue. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was like, okay, look, second quarter, um, they wound up with their, their offense in the second quarter was bad. I'm not denying that it was a 96. They also gave up a 172 defensive rating. <laughs> okay. Um, That's what I'm saying though is that those are those are related. Like, but, you know, no, that, but I'll I disagree mean. with you on this in that the offense is not. Uh, when we look back at the entire history of these of these Phoenix Suns in the playoffs, Brandon, do you feel like when they've been good on offense that it's been Devin Booker just doing stuff?
1: No, certainly not. I'm not making so, that argument. Um,
2: so this is the thing: is like. If the, if the offense is broken, you don't go like, well, that's out the window. Let's just have Devin Booker do some stuff. Like you, you go back and you go like, we got to, we got to, this is the big key here. It's not that Devin's necessarily. It's not that he's bad. It's that this approach of just having Devin Booker go Kobe is not going to work. Like it is not going to work in the modern NBA. It just, Mm -hmm. it will not your efficiency will not be high enough. Now look, their offensive numbers with Booker on the floor were great in part because they had that great first quarter, right? Yeah, Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to figure out like the biggest thing for me is just this. You either got to put pressure on them at the rim with DeAndre Ayton, which they have not done, or you got to put pressure on them from the three point line. You got a drive and kick. And when they started doing that in the fourth quarter, they got back into it. Like that's what got them back into it was driving and kicking and finding everybody else getting involved. Uh, honestly, like Booker, he runs out of steam at the end of these games. It's just, it's asking too much of Devin Booker to do, all of this. And I don't know if that's Booker or Monty Williams or whoever, but like he was not looking for guys. He had four potential assists, potential Mm -hmm. assists in that game. You got to move the ball, but I I do go back and forth on this because at the end of it, it's like, look, you can, you could have moved the ball and done all this. And there, the bucks were just, they, they, everything worked for them clicked. Yeah. You know, and-
3: I just I, I just had a problem with and I said it before game four. And I know like there's times where you don't want to call a timeout and you wanna you you don't want the defense to get set, but I, I think you gotta call a timeout there. You know, down one, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what happened in game four in the clutch, Monty's gotta draw something up.
2: When I you like your turn. Ball... I, I I like your heel turn on Monty Williams. Why everyone's like it's so great to see this for Monty Williams. He's such a great guy. Like it's so. No, I
3: i I'm I'm, I'm I'm I was rooting for him, but I just I just think, to me, he he blew game four, and I, I I just you know with the the lack of challenges, you know, you get one of those challenges, they probably win the game, and then at bare minimum, you 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 call the challenge, and you know, Milwaukee was rushing the ball in, so I just I just felt like he just didn't handle the fourth quarter in game four correctly. And, and I just, I felt like they really needed a timeout there as opposed to, you know, cause Devin Booker, he's forcing it, you know? So.
1: Yeah. I, I agree that Booker forced it. I disagree with the timeout there though, because you got one timeout left. And if I mean, saw, he burned one
3: trying to ice Giannis. No, yeah. but
1: that, I thought that was an awesome timeout. That's not trying to ice Giannis. That's knowing that Giannis has like a 15% higher free throw rate yeah. Uh, hitting his free mm-hmm. throw on a second attempt once he gets in the rhythm. And at that point, when you're, when you're in like the championships on the line and every point matters, I thought that was a great timeout because it got him out of the rhythm that we, you know, think how many times you see him brick the first one, hit the second one. And so it's, so if you want the timeout, that's the timeout you have to switch back because mm-hmm. you need to save a timeout with that, whatever 35 or 30 seconds left, because if you don't score there, you need the timeout to advance to set something up. And by the way, you have on the court, Chris Paul, who is like, as much of a, we have a coach on the court as there has been anywhere in our lifetime, right? Like who, who would you rather have as your coach on the floor right now, getting something to set up? The problem is the same microcosm, what we've been talking about that Devin Booker did Booker ball. And of all times to play Booker ball, you have Drew Holiday on you. You're driving into Giannis, who just made one of the greatest finals, greatest blocks that we've seen. And, you know, he gets, he gets triple teamed and it, it felt to me like Holiday knows Booker's going to shoot there because Holiday collapses down on him rather than staying out mm. on CP. Chris Paul is open on that play. You know, if Booker can get that pass out, Chris Paul has a wide open three and we might be having a title entirely different podcast today. So I don't know. I, I, I agree. I thought game four, I thought they could have managed things a little differently that, that Monty, you know. He's been following his own guys out a little bit with how he managed Aiton in Game Three and then Booker in Game Four. So I definitely don't like how that's gone. But I don't think anyone cost anything the series in Game Five. I think Drew Holiday and Giannis made a play for the ages at the time when it had to happen, and that's what happened. That was an
2: amazing play. I said <laughs> yeah, this. That was. I, I said this on Twitter. Giannis is the only player that makes the block and that and finishes that LU. He's the only player. Don't bring me Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis isn't going over there to challenge DeAndre Aiden. If it's a guard, sure, Anthony Davis is gonna block him into oblivion. That's DeAndre Aiden. Mm, probably giving either good making a business decision or making a touch foul. Like, nah, oh, like, I thought I, I thought Drew was just insane for even attempting that pass. Yeah, but it, but the Drew Holiday was insane <laughs> last night and totally like if you're Drew Holiday, you're feeling it. And like I, I love the killer instinct.
1: Yeah. I yeah. love I
2: love that to just be like, no. We're going up, like no, we're going up top. I got this. Like it's like not like I mean like literally like
3: there's no shot clock at that point.
2: Yep, we're not gonna (laughs) we're not gonna time it out. Make you foul. We're not gonna go into the foul game. No, 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 no. I'm we're dunking on you. I'm getting the bucket. In
1: history is in history is there like. What about young like Orlando Magic Shaq or or Hakeem or Robinson like is there anybody in history that makes that pair of plays like Giannis or is he literally the one who can make them? Shaq's not yeah. making that
2: play. The Shaq's not making that Shaq's not turning defensively quick enough. So no. Yeah. It's 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 Elijah Wan's close. But even Elijah but, Wan's
3: not quick enough to even no. to get up court for the for the lob. I, th- He's not quick enough to get up court for the lie, but I don't think he's even quick enough to recover to on the be, block. Yeah, to recover on the block where he was positioning.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's it's just no Hakeem would, No, I'll disagree there. Hakeem would have made the would have made the block. Hakeem would have made the block. He was he was good enough defensively. He wasn't mm. so far up that he could like he could Hakeem had such quick feet. He had such mm. quick feet. He could have made it. Mm. Um he wouldn't okay. have necessarily been as in front of it as Giannis was, but he would have gotten it from the side and still blocked it clean. That's how good that's how good Hakeem mm. was. LeBron, maybe? Yeah. Like, yeah, I say LeBron. LeBron could have done. Young it. young Cleveland. Shoot, maybe even you Le- Le- yeah. Mike, T- 2012, 2012,
3: 2012
2: LeBron. LeBron does that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's but that's it. Like that's the that's the list in NBA history. Um, so I'll just look this up. In the playoffs under Mike Budenholzer, when the Bucks make more threes. Than the opponent, they are 16 and two straight up 15 and three against the spread. Uh, one loss was the sun's loss earlier in the series in game one. The other one was uh, in the last year's series versus the heat, where everything went wrong. Like they made more threes in that game uh, and they only scored 104 points. So. Um, yeah.
1: And they only made one more last night, right? I think they only had one more. Yeah. They only
2: made one more, but the, the big thing there, Brandon, is like, Mm. they only made one, one more, but, um, two things. One, they shot nine more. Right. And two, um, if they're going to have the advantage inside that they do, you have to counter it with threes, you know, like the, the formula is Giannis makes twos and you make threes. That's gotta be the formula. If you're giving them the interior and you're not beating him from the outside, yeah. where are you winning? And the, bu- the I don't mean to go down this road. Yeah, that's a lie. I mean, to go down this road. So there's all the talk about like the analytics, right? Like the, Oh, the analytics said the mid range game was gone, which no, it didn't. It said that if you're not good mm-hmm. at mid range shots, maybe you shouldn't take them. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Andrew Wiggins, maybe you shouldn't take those shots. If you're Kevin Durant, <laughs> you should take those shots. Cause you're Kevin Durant and you can hit anything. And Chris Paul, I have no problem hitting those. Um, Booker, I don't have the numbers on his overall mid range. I know he's really good at the short range jumpers. He's really good at getting you in jail in the key, inside the paint, but not restricted area and hitting jumpers. So I have like no problem with those mm. shots. But the entire Suns team went extremely mid range heavy. Like this is a lot of it with Booker. Is if you're going to do the Devin Booker solo game, Kobe hero ball, you better be hitting threes. And he's not because the Bucks are guarding him. They're like, if you hit mid range contested shots we're fine with it. We're not losing the math game. But, but in
1: Phoenix's defense, I mean, if you only make 68% of your threes, at some point, you just got to move on and try some hard shots. You know, if if you're just only 68%, (laughs) what can you really do about it?
2: Um, so here's why I can't bet the sides in game six, other than I've been wrong so, so badly in the series. Um, I feel like the shot variance has shifted three of the games, two of the games pretty significantly. And now there's like the bucks added momentum, but here's the thing. The bucks have more, like more often shoot below expected expectation than they shoot over. Mm -hmm. The Suns shoot worse on the road, but they can still win on the road. If they shoot worse, if the bucks shoot way worse, I feel like I'm just trying to guess like, does the ball go in? Not do they create good shots? Not because <laughs> based off of shot quality, the Suns are way up in the series, like yeah, way up in the series. The Suns are are still creating way better shots. Um, the Bucks have countered that either by getting offensive rebounds, creating turnovers or last night just hitting everything. And so you mentioned this earlier, Brandon, I think it's very easy to go in and be like, okay, now everyone's overreacting and going into, like, this is over. The Bucks have got this. They're going to take care of it. But, like, there is – I do think that there's such a thing. There are oftentimes, especially when you get to this point in the finals, when it's just, like, there's, there's one team that just simply will not be denied. It's just, like,
0: we're yeah. going to win
2: this game. Like, we're winning this series. And the Suns, I will say, look rattled. They – for as unflappable and resilient as I think that they've been in terms of mentally not getting challenged in-game – Mm-hmm. They got pretty rattled when they came back last night. That was the the first time when I really saw like Bridges and Aiton and Booker and even CP to a degree just being very much like, but we, we shot the lot. Like how, how are they, t- how are they up? Like after everything that they did and like yeah. Raheem, you banged this drum about adversity. And I mentioned on Twitter and Sunspan's went nuts on me. So thanks for putting that in my head. So my mentions mm-hmm. became a garbage fire. Um, <laughs>
0: This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action App. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now back to the show.
2: Raheem, do you have, uh, do you feel good enough to bet on, because you've been pretty reluctant to bet the series. Do you have an angle that you feel like you want to bet for game six? Honestly, I think I would take the Bucs. I'm leaning towards the where, you
3: know, Brandon said where he, he said, you don't want to get too overconfident, but I just think the Bucks at home have proven that, you know, Chris Middleton shows up at home. Typically, I think, Chris Paul really hasn't they, like in order for the Suns to win they need a great Chris Paul game. And I'm not sure we're going to get one at this point. Like you I, said, okay. you
2: I, I just this is driving me up the the wall. Um okay, Chris Paul last night. For the South. Like he Chris Paul for last night. Like the whole thing was when he scored a lot it was like oh but the turnovers. He had one turnover last night. He had 21 points, a nine of 15 shooting, 60% from the field. He was three of three from three point range. Imagine if he got more touches. 11 assists, one turnover. Like uh, defensively, he got picked on. Yeah,
3: but and I mean, to it's help like him out more. it's like Chris Paul always has these games where it's just like you look at the stat sheet and it's just like, oh wow, he didn't have a bad game, but. When you watching that game, it wasn't like, you know what, this guy completely put his stamp on the game. And I think to go on the road after losing back-to-back games in the fashion that they did, he's really got to put his stamp
2: on the how game. Is he I, to, how is he supposed to put the stamp on the game if he doesn't touch the ball?
1: He has to touch the ball. He has to score. He has to touch
2: the ball. I mean, what have we, what have we, we,
1: we seen
3: that, that leads us to believe that he's actually going to touch the ball in the manner that he did
2: earlier in the playoffs? Devin Booker had a 42.5% usage rate last night. Chris is, is is like the most impactful player on this team, but it's not like Chris's 2011, Chris, where it's like, if Devin is just like calling for the ball and you give it to him because that's what you do when the star player calls for the ball and just chucking it every single time, even if it's going in, what's Chris supposed to do? That's Chris. Fair
1: is the star player. He's supposed to demand No, Devin Booker
2: is the star like player. Chris Paul was the no. veteran cast off. Devin gets to call his number and Monty. If you want to push it into somebody going to stop him, that's got to be Monty Williams being like, no, no, no. We're going to run our offense. We got to run our offense. We cannot blame Chris Paul for a 42.5% usage rate. If he moves the ball, then there, then it's getting back to Chris and he's either finding an assist or a pass off the, off the, off of the gravity that Booker created on his drives. Because they were sending multiple defenders at him, like on the Drew strip. Imagine if he passed. What's the
3: path to the Suns winning game game, game six? Because to me, it's just like I'm expecting the shooting from both teams to regress. We all know if the shooting regressed, I mean, the Bucks are still dominating on the offensive rebounds. I mean, like in game five, what do they have? Uh, a 28% offensive um, rebound rate. Compared to the Suns, twenty three. So it's just like they're still going to get more opportunities to score. I expect the Bucks won't turn the ball over as much as they did in Game Six. So it's just like I just think if they're generating more possessions and you know both teams aren't hot, I, I like the Bucks. I, I I just think it's it's their time. I think they. But I mean, we all know the Bucks have proven that they can let you down in the worst spots.
2: Yeah. So I mean, look, <laughs> you asked what the model is. Here here's what it is uh they shoot badly they still get they still win the offensive rebound rate but the suns hit more threes and that counterbalances it like that's a very easy fix yeah Like this i don't mean to reduce everything to three pointers but it, it this literally is the math problem is like
3: mm-hmm.
2: you cannot you cannot be losing inside and then be losing from the perimeter you can't then you're going to lose and you can i think you can definitely say like look the suns have shot fewer threes in every game this series like that's damning that they haven't reversed that trend. Yeah. But if the bucks simply don't play as well in terms of their defense and the Suns are able to create a few more looks, then they have the shooters to be able, I think to put up enough in an ugly game to be able to, for it to be like, it was, you know, it was ugly, but they won like the buck. I mean, look, we we had game one where the bucks missed a bunch of layups. Like they just missed layups when the bucks missed, they missed badly. Brandon, do you have like a lean for game game six?
1: Well, I think I push back on what, what you guys have just been saying. I think, you know, we, we asked on a podcast a couple of games ago. I think maybe we asked after game two, when the Suns were up 2-0, and we said, have the Suns played their A-plus game yet? And we agreed they hadn't at that point. I think that the Bucks just played their A-plus game. Agree. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. the Bucks can do any better than that. That was their A-plus game. The Suns didn't. The Sun played oh. an A-plus first quarter.
3: How, how was it their A-plus game when they had that first quarter? They had to dip themselves out of a 17-point fair. Okay, hole fair. in the first...
1: Yeah, so so the first quarter... So this, the, the Bucks played their A-plus second through fourth quarters at the very least. It's fair. That when, you, when you go down 60 in the first quarter, and everyone thinks it's over. It can't be an A-plus. But to to have taken the A-plus punch for 80% of the game, let's say, and still have had a shot at the win, I don't think... Phoenix is a much lower variance team than Milwaukee. I think Phoenix is fine. Mm -hmm. I think Phoenix should feel perfectly fine about what happened yesterday. They played really well. If Phoenix could do the exact same thing on offense, even as much as we're saying they need more Paul, they need less Booker, they need to spread out. If they do all that and hit those shots again, they're going to win the next game nine times out of 10 because nine times out of 10, Milwaukee is not going to play their A-plus game and hit everything. That outside of the first quarter, that was like the barrage that was the best Milwaukee's done all playoffs outside of, I guess, maybe the Miami series. But otherwise, like, like they had Giannis and Middleton and Drew all scored 25 or more points, all on 50% or better. Like all three, three guys mm-hmm. in a finals game scored 25 on good shooting. And I don't feel like the Suns should be like the sky is falling. I think you just have to tip your cap to the Bucks played awesome and they made – the couple key plays in that final minute that they had to—they certainly didn't before that. They certainly left the door open. They were missing every free throw. Uh, let's mention too, Giannis kept missing those free throws late. Giannis had that huge tip on the offensive rebound, another offensive rebound down the stretch in that final minute to keep a possession alive oh, and wow. eat up some more of that time. That was a huge mm-hmm. play all game long. We, we said early in the series, turnovers and offensive rebounds—that's what killed them in the Milwaukee games. It didn't kill them yesterday. Until it did. In the final minute, Booker turned it over. They got the run out. And then Giannis got the tip and the offensive rebound. And it was just one. It wasn't the huge numbers thing. But we are prematurely burying the Suns. I, I, and I said, I think the Bucks are the better team. I just think the mm. better is marginal and more marginal than we're giving it credit to. The Suns hope there are two games left. Mm-hmm. If they get to Game 7,
2: yeah. I know
1: what we like to say on this podcast, Game Seven's a coin flip. We never know what's going to happen. No. Game 7s are random. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to hit the shots. Game five was random. We didn't know that the teams were going to shoot 50% from three. We didn't know that Drew Holiday was going to start making everything. Random variants. Yes, game sevens are random. Game sevens are not coin flips. Historically, historically, game sevens drastically favor the home team. I think all that hmm. Phoenix has to do right now is win one road game and it flips right back to them being the big favorite.
2: I I think a lot of this is... um... Uh, on game sevens it's mostly that no one shoots well in a game seven yeah historically so like shot variance becomes very big i hear what you're saying about the home teams um i kind of like to go back and like see if that trend's held up over the last couple i mean it hasn't held
3: up this year because the yeah. bucks won game seven on the road against the nets yeah the hawks won game seven against the sixers <laughs> like yeah. so,
1: so but but that's that's recency bias though here here are the all-time numbers all time numbers in the playoffs, the home team has won game seven out of 135 times 106. So that's seventy-nine percent win but, rate. But in the finals alone, 19 game but, sevens. The home team has won fifteen, which is also seventy-nine percent. So uh, the, the since numbers 2018,
2: are... 19 they're five and five. This is yeah, recency bias, that.
3: though. That's no, no but no, but here's the thing. I know recency bias doesn't apply here because you see in sports that the, the impact of home, home field of advantage yeah. is decreasing because of the travel, because of the fans, because you know the officiating is a lot different from from it was in years past. Yeah. So you can't use these historical numbers and think it still applies to today because that's not true. Well, I think
1: that's fair. I don't think that we can say that the the Suns will have a seventy nine percent chance of winning. I don't think we can use that number, but I don't think we'd use that number anyways. But we we should say though that. That game, game seven at home is a huge advantage. That's what you play the whole regular season for is to get that home game. And we heard the crowd last night. It it would be lunacy to have watched the five games of the finals. We just saw and think that home court hasn't been a massive difference maker in the series. The way that these teams have played, the way that the crowds have fired up, the way teams have come out early in their home games. It's huge. It's a huge advantage. And it's not a coin flip. If so, so the was-
2: last five years, this is since sixteen seventeen, it's eight and eight in game six. Since 2000, the last 10 years, since 2010, 11, okay? Uh, 24 and 12 straight up in game seven. That's, 50, that's 67%, just to Brandon's point. 17 mm-hmm. and 19 against the spread, 47%. And it gets worse as time goes on in terms of the spread count. So just as a general note, because we'll have another pod before game seven but probably take the the, the bucks in game yeah. seven based Well, so, of- so my yeah. point
1: of all that is uh before game five i ended up at the end of our podcast saying if i had to make a pick i'd probably play the bucks money line but throughout the podcast i was the one arguing for the Suns. i argued for chris paul finals mvp as like a best bet yeah i mm-hmm. think that that if you are a fresh better or if you have a clean slate and you don't have 700 finals MVP picks like I do and everything else, if you're looking for a new bet, I think that your best odds right now is still Chris Paul to win finals MVP because the Suns money line at BetMGM for game six is plus 170. That's a 37% implied win rate. Their series line is plus 310, which is 24%. So implied within there, Because we know that Suns winning the series is now a two-game parlay. They have to win twice. So the implied Game 7 win is 66%. Historically, you're getting the better of that number. So if Mm -hmm. you like the Suns to win Game 6, then you should be betting the Suns to win the series because you're getting a better implied number there. And I still think, like we said last time, and like Raheem was just saying, if you think the Suns are going to win these two games and win the series – I think Chris Paul is going to have to be really great. He's been good. He was good in game five. He's been good in the home games. He's been good in their wins. He's going to have to be great to get those wins. And I still think it's that's a plus 600. I've seen it as high as 800 at some books. That would be an 11% implied chance of what to me still is if the Suns win the finals, it has to be because of Chris Paul. So now I'm at a a 8-1 to chance of the Suns winning the finals. And I just
3: don't think the odds are that low. How much do you weigh the human factor, though? You know, the Suns just lost two games in which they should have lost. They should have won. And, you know, we mm. spoke about this earlier, but that's got to have some impact.
2: I, I said that I felt like the Suns' bet was right in game four. I stand by that one. Yeah. I think the Suns' bet was right going into game five. But I don't think that they should have won that game. I think the Bucs just played out of their mind. But. Yeah. I
3: mean, yeah, actually I worded that wrong The Bucks, yeah. the Bucs probably should have won that game yeah. last night.
2: But it's just the you the shoot fact that. They, well. You shoot that well and you earned it. Like yeah like and as they, much as I work those... on variants, like there's there's just nothing to be done. Like everything that I've ever wanted to see from Milwaukee, they were last night. And it was a yeah. close game yeah. at the end, but that's part of it is like they also delivered in the clutch. Like yeah. uh, you know, it, it's they absolutely put everything together. It's just um, the
3: fact—the fact that the Suns had to fight back from a double-digit deficit in the fourth. Mm-hmm. They had that big lead in the first quarter. It's just at some point, it's an emotional yeah. loss. They had yeah. back-to-back emotional losses, and at some point, it's just—I I have to weigh that in. I don't know if that's worth a half a point, a point, but that's something that you know impacts my handicap.
1: But I think though that they, they, both teams have the emotions, like the Bucks. You know emotions run high for the bucks too that takes a lot out of you mentally to, to keep coming through with those wins and now the bucks are going home and now you know they're in milwaukee and and they're plotting out the parade map and they're getting sized up for their rings and they're like you know the the same way that we are inclined to think man that was it that was the game milwaukee's got this now if you're a player you're inclined to think that too. Apparently not Giannis, according to his interview the other day, which one of one of the greatest quotes I've seen from a player is just about not looking back, hmm. not looking forward, being in the moment. So maybe, maybe he'll help the team stay in the moment that way. Uh, for for our listeners, when we talk about a great, a great, great shooting season, when Durant or or Nash or Curry has a great shooting season, what are the three numbers? What what are the shooting splits? 50-40-90. Here are the Suns shooting splits for the entire finals. The entire team of the Phoenix Suns in a finals they are losing 50-41-86. Wow. Suns are shooting wow. the lights out and losing the finals. But again, we, we've said this whole podcast, this whole series, like, man, the Bucs defense playing amazing. And, and they are, they're playing great. The Suns are still shooting the lights out. And I just think when you're shooting that well and they're they're still scoring well, then we can kind of be confident that Phoenix is going to score. They're going to get their points in game six, which means what matters then? The Bucs offense. The Bucs are a much higher variance team, and Mm. why is it so hard to believe that the Suns could do what they've been doing consistently and still shooting and scoring, but the Bucs maybe turn back into the Bucs and don't do the thing and miss some of their shots, which they've done more of this series.
2: So I just looked this up. This is in the playoffs. So I looked this up on Bet Labs. So I've got, it's in the playoffs. The series game is number six. The team is at home. The team has won the last three games. I looked this up. There has not been since 2003 a situation in the finals where this has occurred. So what I'm saying is there hasn't been a 2-2-1-1-1 series where a team has been at home for game six, lost the last three the Bucks have won the last three and they're at home. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: going into game five there, I saw the stat also that since it switched to two, two, one, one, one in the finals, we had not even ever had a finals where the home team won the first four games. And it was two, two, which is shocking to me. Cause that's like, you know, the the, yeah. the series hasn't even started yet. We, we think that the home team is going to win. And I think two, I think the 2006 finals, the, the, the first Heat Mavs Finals is the last time that a team was up 2-0 and then lost the series, which, uh, you know, the Mavs were up mm-hmm. 2-0 and then Dwayne Wade got fouled 7 million times and shot free throws <laughs> in the most boring finals. Well, not in history because the Pistons happened. But, yeah, and they came back and won the, won the next
2: four. Let's focus in really on Game 5. Or Game 6, rather. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. The spread's 5, Raheem. You're laying yeah. 200, minus two hundred 200 on the money line. I assume you don't want to lay...
3: Um, I, I do think the the spread is just right, so I think that's that's the tough thing.
2: Um, I'm going under. My my over under plays have been great. Have been. I I think that that would be the play, the under on. because you know both teams shot the lights
3: out. It's a it's a closeout game, so you're going to get more defense. I think that would be the, the the way to play this.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's I I I said in our Slack last night that I would. I don't even know if it hit or not. But at halftime, when they were shooting like 88% from the field combined or whatever ridiculous number it was, I thought that the second half under was the play. Um, it was like 66-61 halftime. I told my buddy, like, you just watch. This thing's going to turn into a rock fight in the second half. They're going to be absolutely exhausted from from that first half. And I thought some team might even be like struggling to break 100, come down to the final minutes, and it didn't; they didn't slow down. But it, it feels like, yeah, I'll be writing the props for this one, and I would be looking for unders. I would be looking to – to fade high point totals. Devin Booker is at 30.5 on this one. I will be very strongly looking at the under on that of, of not hitting a, a fourth or a third straight huge scoring game for him. I think leaning unders just because we, we've seen all the scoring, the shot making, and then the regression has to come at some point. D- do we think so? Like an hour before the game yesterday, or two hours before the game, today, folks, happy birthday to Thanasis Anadakumpo, 29 years old. He, Mm -hmm. I assume, is celebrating by himself in hotel room because he is in COVID Mm -hmm. protocol, which happened like an hour or two before the series yesterday. By the way, just so we can all feel old, Happy Birthday, Penny Hardaway is fifty today, which is just I feel old saying that. Great. You know, know,
2: my first my first dog was named Penny after Penny Hardaway. Wow.
1: So, I, I don't like it, but we are in a pandemic world. We don't know. There are two days off between now and the next game. Before the game yesterday, Thanasis had to go into COVID protocol and a, a Bucs coach, an assistant, and a referee. Thanasis is the brother. I don't know if you've heard of Giannis, who is real good in this series. Contact tracing, et cetera, et cetera. Do we need even a little bit to factor in, hey, you know what? What if we give the Suns a little bit better chance just in case one of those Bucks guys ends up not getting the play? That's, you know, not Thanasis.
2: I mean, I, I would tell you the anything you're going to bet. Don't bet until... Wait until mm-hmm. tip. like unless there's a number that pops that you see that's absolutely wrong, which I don't think you're yeah. gonna get at this point in the series, then I, I think you need to wait because these tests, like they're getting tested before the game, and if something pops up, then it's just gonna change radically. Wow. I, I'll just tell you i'm I'm pretty nervous. Like I said this in Slack yesterday, like I'm nervous about this entire situation. Like you got you have an official, a player, and a coach. There is not all that much close contact between those three individuals. Coach and, and Thanasis, sure. Like, they went out to dinner. They had, like, a film room session, whatever. Like, a player development Even But even then, like, a player development session, it's unlikely that that would have occurred. So, yeah. for it to have spread to the officials? Don't Giannis and Thanasis live together? No, they do not. I confirm that.
3: Okay. All right. I was like, I, that's what I yeah. thought.
2: I was under the assumption. of that. Everyone right. everyone thought that. That has not been the case for some time. Yeah.
3: So. Let, let's
1: say this too. We hope that everyone involved here is okay. We hope yeah. for good health. We don't want to bet mm-hmm. against all this. Like, let, let's make that the clear mm-hmm. priority. Get vaccinated! Tomorrow. Yeah, get get the vaccine, folks. But, but yeah, let's be real. Thanasis and Giannis are brothers. That's why he's on the team. So the contact mm-hmm. tracing thing makes me nervous. I will say this, though. I don't Again, we hope for all the good news. We hope that we get game six on Tuesday night. If something happens and like Giannis goes into COVID protocol, we're not playing game six as scheduled. Like, come on. If There's no Giannis and he's in COVID protocol for a couple of days or whatever. Like they're going to postpone or something. We're not playing. We we said this months ago. What if we get to the finals? What if LeBron's in COVID protocol or something? They're not playing a finals without LeBron. We're not playing a finals game without Giannis. I will go the other way. Really?
2: Yeah. Wow. The other way. They're just leaving it up to the players to be responsible enough to. So uh, one thing you are making a wrong assumption here that LeBron plays by the rules of everyone else, (laughs) not the case. Um, Including when he brought a, a, an open bottle of tequila to the game last night and somebody tweeted, they let him have his tequila. And he's tweeted, they let me that, that shows you a lot about where LeBron's at in terms of, I do what I want for all of the explanations the way that his situation in terms of the contact tracing at the event was handled was very different from some of the other things that we've seen so like may i haven't spoken anybody in the league like maybe i'm wrong their policy Mm -hmm. would be that no the your response like this is just part of it we knew this was baked in Mm -hmm. you got to get done they are terrified of the olympics ratings they are they are terrified you delay Mm -hmm. this anymore you risk going up against the olympics
3: yeah
2: Like how long you got to push it back for? That's the question. Yeah. We don't know. You're gonna have to push it back a week. Mm-hmm. That's like so, minimum seven days.
1: But by the way, okay. we, we all saw the picture, you know, the awesome, the, the Giannis dunk, we, we've seen the picture with Chris Paul kind of trying to push mm-hmm. and Giannis gets the alley dunk. Does that count as another LeBron finals appearance? He, he, he's in the picture. Doesn't count. <laughs> he's up to eleven now, right? He's up he would, to eleven. Move him up. The goal. I, oh my god! I appreciate
2: that you waited a full day to make that joke after making it in Slack. <laughs> I appreciate that you're like, I got, like, you got a notepad, and you're like, oh god, I got, I gotta get the LeBron joke in. I appreciate that. Okay,
3: so I have a question. At what number would you need to bet the Suns in Game Six? And this is, you know, really big for Brandon because he's he thinks the series is not over yet. So.
1: You looking for a spread or a money line or either?
3: Both. Give the people what they want. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, spread. I don't think I want to take it anymore after Game Four, right? Mm-hmm. Like they should have covered that game, and that was brutal. Look, the implied right now at plus one seventy is thirty seven percent. That sounds. I mean, that sounds pretty sharp to me. I guess if if we got to it has to be above two. I mm-hmm. want it closer to thirty. Mm-hmm. I think they have a better. I think they have a better than. One in three chance.
3: Gotcha. So,
2: so right so, now, like 200 is a, 30, is a 33.3% chance. So right. I, need, I need better than 200. At, like even if it's 205, I probably have to bet it.
1: So now Milwaukee, you know, Giannis heads to the bench with two minutes left in the quarter, uh, in the first quarter, and, and Milwaukee is up nine. And now it hits plus 200. Is that the spot? Because now I think we're scared away from betting the spot, right? In that
3: situation where you have – and uh, you have a one team in an elimination game. I would rather play them from the door or play them first quarter than wait until they go down because you don't wanna you don't wanna be chasing points with a team like on their deathbed. What what what, so do, we, I, what do we what do we call that? What do we call that, Raheem? <laughs> trying to catch a falling knife. That's right. That's so it's right. just like I I think you if you're playing the Suns, you want to play them first quarter first half because you know. You know, they're fighting for their lives. And then I think as the as the game wears on, that's when you have an advantage playing the Bucks' live.
2: So I don't have uh, numbers on win streak here for after three in a row or being on the edge of winning the series. But here is since roughly 2003, and this is on Killer Sports, for game sixes at home after round two. So conference finals are better. And with a lead of more than 10, teams are 14 and four at 78 percent so like we've got four comebacks in that entire time at this level when they go down by more than 10 in game six on the road and but that doesn't factor the elimination game there's a lot of stuff in there but yeah if you want to bet the suns wait to see if they can do it and when they go up and the spread inverts that's i think when you bet it you wait for the moment that it flips to like minus one and a half minus two and a half and then you Mm -hmm. bet the suns that that to me would be the angle that's what i would say
1: See, I I still think I mean, we, we all know that's that's the opposite of how I play angles. I go for the <laughs> whole like, pie if I can if I, <laughs> if, I can get, if I can get a nibble of the pie. I want the whole thing. Chris Paul Finals yeah. MVP. That's a great point. I, I still think watch. that's the
2: bet. Yeah, I think that's I I I agree with you because like that's the point is is there any scenario in which the Suns win the series and Devin Booker is Finals MVP after the last two games? Yeah. I would say no.
3: I have no faith in Chris Paul to actually do what you guys are asking him to do. That's fine. Then just, then, then that's, bet the box, then bet the box. Yeah. And I, I think, I think I have to stress that for everybody listening that at this point expecting Chris Paul to do, it just feels like it, it almost feels like you're, you, you're looking for a pipe dream. Now, I mean, and that's no disrespect to Chris, but Drew Holiday is just, he's doing a tremendous job at defending him. I just, I don't know. I think you are him for a lot
1: what give me give me your best what you realistically think is is a, a pretty good a really good Chris Paul game give me your best Chris Paul line that you think yeah okay that that's a reasonable outcome that I could see him putting up
2: 33 11 three steals on 60 60 90 shooting
1: so Raheem what do you think about that 33 and 11 is that reasonable or is that just is that the pipe dream I think it's a pipe dream
3: I mean, we just said earlier that we like the under. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, if we like the under, asking yeah. for 33 points from a guy who, you know, would rather facilitate than score. Is but here's, just... here's,
2: I think here's the here's the counter to that though. There's a way that they win game six in which it's just, uh, it's absolutely, remember those Clippers games in the middle of the series? Yeah. yeah. They were absolutely atrocious. Yeah, at yeah. and the Bucks and that's
1: the same thing.
2: Like, yeah, remember those? Where it's absolutely yeah. just like a rock fight. What if Chris Paul has like, like Booker has a quiet bad game. Paul has 23 like he gets 10 assists sleep. 23 and 10. Yeah. Nobody shoots well, but Chris is the best player of a bunch of bad players. But it's in a that, win. That's that. that
3: they, I think you know? that's
2: more realistic. Okay.
3: It's like you're asking I mean I think you you kind of need Chris Paul to give you 23, 24, 25. I think he could do that. But I think asking for him to to go out there and score 30, like it's never really even been in his nature.
2: Really. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. We've been going long, so let's wrap this up. Are you going to bet the under with me in Game Six?
3: I think I'm rolling rolling with you on under.
2: All right, we're on the under. under. Brandon, yeah. Are you going to bet Chris Paul to win Finals MVP?
3: Yes. Now at eight
1: to one for CP, I think that that's the play. I think that's the right move. So I'm I'm going to lock that one
2: in. Here is the the grossest. After I like wrote about the Suns and how I like them, and I talked about how I like Suns in six or seven. Uh, and all of these things, I did wind up taking Suns to win Game One and Bucks to win the series at plus three seventy five. Wow! So, uh, by the way, shout out to our guy Joe Delara who took Yo, Bucks to win the series after trailing at plus five hundred, and can do whatever he wants with that ticket. Like he's got a million ways to play it. He can sit on it. He can feel great about it. He can wait till Game Seven and go back the other way. Like. Mm-hmm great spot by joe dynamite job great great job by matt mitchell and joe delara uh great job by raheem uh great job by brandon doesn't doesn't doesn't
3: michael have um doesn't michael have um michael's got boxes like
2: 10 to 1 like 12 to 1. so great job by everybody all right you guys can check out all of our apps our our picks in the action network app uh i want to see chris paul finals mvp in there brandon if we get that loaded into the app we will be back before game seven if there is one if not We'll probably be back later in the month with another episode of the Action Network NBA podcast. If This has been it. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks to BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. The show's been a blast. I've really loved doing it with these two guys. They're two absolutely exceptional writers, content creators, and betters. Hopefully, we'll see you back again for another uh, edition at Before Game 7 of the Action Network NBA podcast.